All right. Welcome to Of All the Podcasts in the World. We're back. And uh, this week we're going back to the uh, our Italian directors series with uh, yeah, Sergio exactly. Leone and Vincent Minnelli. Yeah. Yeah, going back to that. And we'll do more of these like mini series coming up too. Oh, uh, we'll do more. We just need to finish yes. this one. We're yeah, swamped we still need with to this one. This one. <laughs> There's a ton of ton of movie stuff happening. It's at least with, a couple uh, hours awards. of movies every time we do this. So, yeah, right, yeah. So we gotta we gotta knock this one out, and then we'll be uh, we'll be back with some more. But before we get into those, uh, we're gonna talk about some. Uh, we definitely always want to recommend people going to the theaters and seeing movies. And Luke and I realized before we started recording this episode that we. Hadn't been to the theater in a while. No, but so now we need to recommend yes. some movies for ourselves to watch, so we can exactly. Get to the We've theater. been slacking, but there are some good movies coming up here uh, in the in the month of March, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about those. To a get bunch you of good movies in going that, to the theater. Yeah, a bunch of good movies that apparently aren't Captain Marvel, as I've heard not so good things. <laughs> Yes, Captain Marvel recently came out, and it's definitely the biggest movie uh, of the year so far. I would say, um, in terms of you know hype and everything. And our bartender at the film festival, of course, said it was the most anticipated movie of the year. So, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, our local expert here. So, uh, but apparently, yeah, it's getting it's getting some mixed reviews. I think I think it's. Uh, as far as I've seen, it's gotten the same sort of stuff from every typical Marvel movie that, like, the general public enjoys it overall, just because it's got this. It's probably got the same, um, all the same hits that the other Marvel movies has, and it's got all the '90s nostalgia, which is like Sweater. huge right now. Yeah, '90s is. nostalgia is huge. Yeah, there was so. literally a movie called Mid '90s, and everyone thought it was super cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do anything that's that's just all about '90s nostalgia, and people yeah. would eat it up. Just these days. make a movie called the '90s and have it star yeah, right, Tupac and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Kurt Cobain. <laughs> Kurt Cobain, yeah, there you go. And now there are even I even saw like Nickelodeon is reviving like those old shows from the '90s too, and bringing them back. It's really like. Yeah, the 90s are, are big right now because I feel like our generation who grew up uh, in the 90s and, uh, and early 2000s now is um, sort of leading the charge in terms of what's in pop culture right now. So Right. Uh, yeah, and then Ready Player One is doing the 80s. E, yep. <laughs> Weirdly. Mm-hmm. that's what's it, It's a weird off-trend thing to do. Yeah. I definitely feel like... Um, yeah, maybe like ten years ago, you know, eighties nostalgia was still like really big, and now yeah, I feel like we're transitioning yeah, from eighties to nineties. Yeah, it's definitely nineties mm-hmm. now. I feel a little bad for uh, just the fact that it, uh, Brie Larson's in this movie, and I like her, and that the fact that mm-hmm. it was like National Women's Week or Day in film, and the fact that this movie apparently uh, is of poor quality, like that. I yeah, I just feel bad for her for that. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's cool that you know it's a bit the of a first, shame to um, me, but yeah, it's the first Marvel movie I think with a female woman lead. Su- superhero as the main yeah the main lead yeah so that's cool at least um, 
and apparently and Marvel is, you know, getting yeah. movies like Black Panther and stuff out there, but uh, yeah, I'm they're also just kind of cash grabs. I'm curious on where over time it will rank in the MCU. You know, will it be it towards the mm-hmm. bottom? Because if yeah. it is towards the bottom, uh, the MCU should really <laughs> consider making another female lead one if it wants to go with the Me Too movement in Hollywood <laughs> and mm-hmm. try to make one that's uh, at least in the top five to seven range of Marvel movies. Yeah. I, I think it'd be good. It'd be a good look for them if they did that. So, I don't yeah. know, maybe make a Black Widow. A Black yeah, right. Widow Black Widow is the only one I could think of. Mm-hmm. And I do think that they, I don't know, part of the problem is that they, like, it's all about marketing, you know, and just having, like, the first woman lead-led superhero movie, then that's just, they know that's going to give them a lot of money um, mm-hmm. nowadays, and that's going to be, like, the huge talking point, and everyone's yeah. going to be talking about how great that is, which it is, but then I feel like then they don't really care too much about the quality of yeah, the Yeah, uh, and, and the they, d- I, they, they do seem to have some talented directors behind the mm-hmm. camera, but I don't know, in a Marvel movie... I don't directors don't matter to me as much because I don't think there's free in that system. I think right, it's yeah. I think the Marvel movies are more um producer driven movies. Um like I mm-hmm. think the auteur behind them all really is like if you wanted to go far and say auteur is Kevin Feige, like I think he has more of the vision right. for them as a whole because they are all the same. There is no distinct like vision really mm-hmm. like I think Black Panther is a good film, but I don't think Ryan Coogler's vision was like his in that movie necessarily. Like if you look at his other films, uh, such as uh, Creed or Fruitvale, like that's definitely you could see him more in control of uh, in control of everything. Yeah. And this is where I don't know if I'm getting too into like a conspiracy or something, but I feel like them having like a prominent um black director like ryan coogler who's an incredible director and very acclaimed now just having his name attached to it then i think is basically what they need they need people like is, him and it is a good Don, one because um, i was giving it ups yeah right because like i was like wow i like ryan coogler so this movie's cool because of that yeah and then it's got michael b jordan in it yeah and all these all these like really charismatic yeah, african-american Daniel actors Kaluuya. and yeah, exactly. So yeah, I just think they really just they attach the right people to it and have the right big names on the posters. But yeah. then really, yeah, like you said, Kevin Feige is the mastermind behind it all. So um yeah. <laughs> the evil Kevin Feige. <laughs> yeah, and making like Spider Man homecoming for the fourth time. Yeah. So I guess we should get to other movies. Uh yeah. Other, yeah other than Marvel. What else are you looking forward since to that one, Since that one wasn't good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gloria Bell. Um, it's a Sebastian... I don't know how to say this director's name. I'm not going to try. His last name. <laughs> um, but I don't even know what movie that is. Gloria, Gloria Bell. Gloria oh, Bell. Sebastian Leo? It's with Sean Astin, Julianne Moore, and uh, John Oh, that's one you just talked about, yeah. Yeah, it's a... A free-spirited woman in her 50s seeks uh, out love at L.A. dance clubs. And I just love Julianne Moore, and the trailer really kind of blew me away when I saw it. So this was just, 
it's one of the first, maybe the first movie I see in 2019, John, that wasn't on nice. stream on streaming services. Uh, yes, of course. I don't know. Have you watched what streaming service movies have you watched? Uh, recent ones I've watched in 2019. Well, that like came I mean, out I guess, in 2019. Uh, I don't know if I've seen any oh, that okay. has, have come out in 2019 yet. The actually. only 2019 movies I've seen came out on Netflix. I've seen two, I believe. Yeah, one that's been on my list is High Flying Bird. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, that's good to know because I just saw it was about basketball and it was Steven you'll Soderbergh. Like, you'll right? like that a lot, yeah. You'll definitely okay, cool, like, yeah. yeah. High flying bird for anyone, especially if you're an NBA fan or not an NBA fan. It's uh, it's very enjoyable, just very well done. Yeah, and then I uh, I know coming out in a few days actually is Triple Frontier, which is. This action movie with um, Oscar Isaac. It's going to be on Netflix, of course, not theaters. But, um, um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I've seen this. It looks trailer. like a decent action movie, so I'm, um, I'm excited to check that one out at least. I heard, yeah, I've heard from people that they're like, because to me, yeah, it looks like a, oh, <laughs> it kind of looked at like a regular action movie with a big cast, and it looked, it was funny because Ben Affleck's in it, but I, People are saying yeah. like that it's going to be really good. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I'm excited for that one, and I know I do definitely want to encourage people to go to the theaters. But uh, it's on Netflix. But there are, of course, some good. Yeah, there are of course some good films that come out on streaming too. So, um, and I feel like just even finding um, you know movies that you really like that are streaming will still encourage you to look into other new movies that are coming out too. And yeah, and going to the theater and just try something new maybe it doesn't have to be a marvel movie that you know what it is you know also john um, you should watch paddleton on netflix oh yes that's on my list um, yes that, the mark ray du, romano right the mark duplass ray romano cancer movie it's really great yes that really is also great. on my list that maybe that's probably the best one i've seen out of the two movies i've seen this year <laughs> which would be high nice. flying bird and paddleton <laughs> Both Netflix originals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, January and February is I, usually the time to keep to catch up on stuff and yeah, watch older movies that, for me, and then go I will back say to the, the theaters uh, later. Yeah, the nice thing about right the time right now is that a lot more 2018 movies are coming on to streaming. So I've definitely been trying to catch up on that a little bit more, um, and actually just. Um, just came on Hulu recently is Three Identical Strangers, which is a pretty good um, documentary from Ooh, yeah, saw you watch uh, that. 2018. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely trying to catch up on stuff I missed in uh, 2018 too, while waiting for some more uh, some more good movies to come out in the theaters in March for sure. So yeah, the, well we have some. Then on March 22nd is Us, the Jordan new Jordan Peele movie. Yes, which looks terrifying and great at the same time definitely yeah i mean just after seeing of course i was a fan of jordan peele during key and peele but then seeing get out it definitely he seems like one of the more unique uh i don't know visionaries uh to come about recently yeah it looks yeah i'm I'm really excited uh, for that it looks mind-bending and (laughs) frightening Mm -hmm. yeah and of course a great cast too yeah also, Jordan Peele will Lupita be bringing and... back the uh, Twilight Zone. 
I heard. Yes. And it's I am got, very excited about. Yeah, and it's got like some of everyone's favorite people in it. Like, mm-hmm. um, I forget exactly. I know Seth Rogen's on one. He's gonna be Adam on an Scott, episode. Isn't Adam it? Adam Scott. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's def- there's a couple more uh, pretty big names too. I that one is on uh, CBS All Access or something like that. I would so not mind. Uh, I would not mind uh, eventually talking about that or just doing a Twilight Zone theme in general. Eventually, yeah. I've been meaning to I go on a, a uh, on a Twilight Zone. A Twilight run. Zone. Yeah, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I did a Twilight Zone episode uh, not too long ago, and of course, like, that's one of my favorite shows um, ever. I would definitely be uh be down for that once the new one comes out too yeah no i'm also very uh you'd more you'd more so be uh running it and i'd be like learning because i am i've only seen like the first season of the twilight zone yeah that's another thing i i I find myself like every january and february for some reason i think when it's just cold and yeah the twilight uh, zone is really like good for that like yeah, you can like puts me you warm up. That. You warm up, and the theme song like rolls up. It's yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm very I, excited for that. I think I'm gonna start watching like some, <laughs> like right after we're done with this podcast. Definitely, yeah. Something yeah. I did, I just looked up. I mean, there's a ton of lists on the internet, obviously, but um, just found like what are the best Twilight Zone episodes, and just start from there. Mm, um, because there are so fucking yeah. many yeah and they're all different stories too you know because it's yeah um an anthology or whatever so um yeah so it's not really a something you have to follow so that's nice too it's like 20 to 25 minutes and this is and it's one story compact mm. in there um and so you're not having to like yeah follow from it's a like good just se- season re- one it's just, you just one. reset every time it's great exactly yeah well, so before then, we talk uh, about uh, Game of Thrones in a month, maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll talk. Let's just uh, touch on quickly. My most anticipated like movie of the year comes out at the end of this month. Now we're just when yes. I'm getting back to the theaters, which will probably be sometime <laughs> next week. My <laughs> most anticipated <laughs> movie of the year comes out. So yeah, we're gonna probably blow my movie go and load immediately with the beach bum mm-hmm. but yeah yes. harmony corinne with matthew McConaughey, snoop dogg isla fisher it's good i'm very much looking forward to it um yeah and do you think is the beach bum going to be one that's probably only in select theaters or is that going to get a wide uh, release well i know it's playing at the arc light near me Mm-hmm. But the arc light kind of, they kind of, uh, they do mainstream stuff, but they'll also like try to kind of throw in uh, less mainstream stuff. They kind of go in between because they have a lot of theaters yeah. as well. So I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I believe you will you will be able to see it somewhere. Yeah, definitely. I mean, luckily there are. I think it's uh, his his most mainstream film to date. Um, mm-hmm. Spring Breakers was pretty mainstream, but this is even a more so yeah. mainstream one, especially due to its uh, content and having Snoop Dogg and McConaughey and having it be yeah. about like a just like a stoner in today's like world with like art with millennials today. I think that it's 
probably his most ma- main he'll, he'll make the most money upon release in theater for sure mm-hmm. i do feel like spring breakers got a pretty wide release so i it assume did. this would get um even bigger so yeah especially yeah, that's since good it's to a, know that it's, since it's a follow-up and it's it's mcconaughey as a stoner like mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting then, the, re- the reception is gonna be very interesting uh yeah because everyone's gonna that's see same... it. a lot of people are gonna see it and i feel like a lot won't understand it and so because spring breakers definitely had a uh a group that had pure hatred for it yeah <laughs> so people thought it was going to be a completely different movie than it was absolutely um that's for sure that same weekend dumbo comes out in theaters i know so. yeah i i did it's right above <laughs> it <laughs> So tim just burton's, know that tim burton's D- dumbo with michael keaton and colin farrell yes. danny devito wow see that's a, that's a fun cast too but sounds, remember sounds like everyone some, out there you've you've, you've seen like dumbo before spectacle. you probably know the story sounds like some great yeah, spectacle and it probably looks amazing but i would i haven't seen the beach bone yet obviously but i would recommend going to see that in the theater <laughs> before seeing dumbo because you, you've seen dumbo before yeah so uh, the story's not going to change anything. Yeah, so, well, uh, I think the kids can go see Dumbo, and, and then the the kids can yeah, see Beach Bum when exact, they're there you when go. they've turned uh, the appropriate age. When they've turned, yeah, there you go. When they've turned ten or eleven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's a solid age for that movie for uh, for a rated R movie these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, those are some uh, some upcoming uh, March and then movies. yeah, then in April there's a, probably a bunch more. And then Game of Thrones comes out. I don't know if you saw the trailer. That'll for be the huge. Game of Thrones, yeah, that's yeah, going to take up our Sundays in April. Yes, that'll take up a lot of uh, the media attention too. Um, also in April, I mean, we'll we'll probably talk more about some April releases when we get closer to there. But uh, yeah. The new, uh, the new Hellboy is coming out too, which um, oh, yes. which I'm excited for. Definitely, I don't like that Hollywood is just rebooting a lot of things these days. But but um, when it reboots something, something like you that, really it's like. a little different. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. Well, we'll definitely get out to the theater, everybody, and see some of those movies. And um, and uh, Luke, do you have any other thoughts on uh, recent releases or anything coming up? Not really. I just was thinking about Game of Thrones still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and of course, Game of Thrones. So, I mean, we don't have to tell you to watch that because everyone's going to watch it. But I think since maybe we we're technically media since we have we own press passes and stuff. Like when maybe if we're doing a Criterion Channel miniseries in April, we could like just like talk really. uh, talk talk about the episode in like like we'll before, do some thrones about like our too. ex man like my expectation was this but that happened like i didn't think that <laughs> yeah. was gonna happen <laughs> like just yeah, do that final season riff, too. just riff off that at the beginning of every episode be like the that battle was like pretty crazy <laughs> it was so sick and then be like so yeah. then on the criterion <laughs> channel we watched this yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then we watched Bicycle Thieves. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, right. So. <laughs> I could foresee it now. <laughs> living the life. Yeah, well, of course. How can we life. not talk about that? Yeah, living the life. <laughs> some great, um, some great media coming to to your eyeballs uh, in the coming months. So, <laughs> so yeah. So I well, guess we I should guess get to this now. while we have the 
before our first commercial break. Uh, yes, here. Well, let's uh, let's introduce these uh, these next two uh, movies that we'll talk about in our Italian director series, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll take our first break. But we do have um, an American in Paris and Fistful of Dollars coming up, and these are two movies that uh, I know I most recently saw an American in Paris not too long ago for the first time. It's a movie that I know Luke loves uh, quite a bit. And then Luke recently saw Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, watched it yesterday. Which, um, yesterday afternoon. Yeah, there you go. And, yeah. uh, and that uh, trilogy is definitely one that I've been a big fan of. So uh, we'll get into that. Um, so talk about that. And of course, we'll recast it uh, for modern Oof. day. So <laughs> For get today's ready. modern world. Yes. <laughs> All right. So who, who should who should go first? Well, let's. Uh, I say let's start with um, an American in Paris right after this break. My gal who could ask for anything more Old man trouble I don't mind him You won't find him Round my door Vous comprenez ça? No! I got Rhythm I got Music I got My gal who could ask for anything more Who could ask for anything more and we're back. All right. <laughs> yeah, we need that little jingle. All right. Yeah, hopefully, we well, don't get we're... caught for copyright infringement from Disney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll crack down on that for sure. But uh, let's uh, let's get into it. We got an American in Paris that we're going to start out with the Vincent Minnelli film, and uh, of course, starring Gene Kelly. Um, and, uh, again, this is the one I saw most recently. I haven't, uh, hadn't seen it before. And, uh, your second Vincent Minnelli. Let's see. My second Vincent Minnelli movie. Yes. Nice. Um, what was the first one? The clock. We did that one before. Yeah. Right? That's, that was your first one. Yep. Yeah. This yep. American Paris was my personal first Vincent Minnelli movie. Nice. Yeah. It's a good, I feel like this is a, uh, um, it's a good, like a good starting just, one. Yeah. For his, especially for his musicals and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it is it's probably it's possibly his finest film. His what's his best is kind of more up to like, uh, you know, one's taste. But I don't. It, it's hard right. to argue that this isn't one of his best, at least like in the top three out of what I've seen. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the the Oscars recently happened, and you can uh, you can say what you will about uh, this year's Oscars, but. American in Paris did win six, six Oscars, Ooh. won Best Picture, Screenplay, Cinematography, Set Decoration, Costume Design, and, of course, Music, too. So Wow, I did yeah, not was, know that. Very good. <laughs> yeah, definitely highly acclaimed. I still think it's one that, um, that, you know, when people think of movie musicals, it's probably not one that comes to their mind yeah. right away in modern day. Um, yeah, I, you have to look heard for it, it a little bit at least. Like it doesn't yeah. come as uh, fast as like singing on the rain or something like that. Exactly, singing in the rain would definitely be one of the top ones that people think of. And of course, they're both Gene Kelly. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I think even just looking at the, the Oscar wins it got, it, uh, it, I definitely see why it's, um, I don't know. I actually, I don't understand why it's not more acclaimed than it is because not only did it, uh, you know, is the music great and it won everything for great music and cinematography and the, just the colors mm-hmm. uh, in this movie are incredible. Mm-hmm. It's so visually appealing. Right. Um, it's very, uh, access- so it's, like, it's accessible. It's like, uh, something everyone yeah. can relate to. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. It, and <laughs> it's a fun watch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, another thing too the music is all um gershwin music which that is like i i'm a big fan of movies with uh gershwin music in it i i just think that's like the epitome of like a good um classic sort of classic movie soundtrack is anything by gershwin from whether the you know 50s or 60s um mainly what else uh and, what, uh, george gershwin did uh what Manhattan? Oh gosh! Um, yeah. What else did and he do? Something like like Manhattan. Say what you will about Woody Allen. Um, I think he's kind of a, a scumbag in some of his movies. A lot of his movies are, are crap. When he's got a few gems, but uh, but the move the music in Manhattan is really like the highlight. Uh, it of is. That movie. It, it most definitely is. You know, Rhapsody in Blue. That's something. That's a song that I think everyone knows because it's used in like commercials and and stuff like that. But uh, definitely, he, you know, back in the day, I feel like. Um, what else did he was probably almost like do, a John uh, Williams back in the day? He was a, he was the John Williams of classic Hollywood. Yeah, almost like that. I don't think he he really um, composed music for films specifically, but. Um, a lot of his music was, you know, then used in film. He, it looks like he did something in a, a he's got a title in a streetcar named Desire, the Ilya Kazan mm-hmm. film with Marlon Brando. Um, and then in American Paris, they're like all his songs. Yeah. So I guess in American Paris was a whole piece that he composed. It looks like in the twenties. Uh, and then, um, you know, there's a screenplay written for it. And then obviously the film made uh, with, the music from that um and yeah his just his his pieces are used in a lot of different movies you know whether they were specifically made for the movies or not um so yeah i think uh, i think obviously that's a huge um a huge draw for me too uh and great great songs through it first of all i love, yeah. the, I love the theme overall mm-hmm. and then um the i got rhythm scene Oh yeah, that's great. great it's hard song. to pick a number that's like your favorite, honestly. Like, a, I mean, mm-hmm. if you take the finale out of the picture, because obviously the finale is like ridiculous. It's hard. You can't put it mm-hmm. up. You, like, you can't put up any musical number in cinema probably up against it. But um, yeah. yeah, the ones throughout, like the couldn't ask for anything more with Gene Kelly at the beginning, and yep. like all of them are just. Yeah, so memorable and joyful and <laughs> just they make you put a cheesy smile on your face like for like two yeah. hours. <laughs> it's a really happy, happy yeah, movie to watch. Right. And there is good, you know, with the whole uh, love triangle that, that goes on. Mm-hmm. It, there's definitely some good um, tense moments. Yeah, Not there's tense moments like in a thriller, yeah, but um, some that good, you actually care about some the characters. nice melodrama in there and just, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, and Gene Kelly is just so damn likable. Yeah, too. he's got that smile. He's super charismatic. That smile always, and yeah. like he sings. He's got he dances better than anyone like in the world. Yeah, <laughs> probably like the best yeah, dancer right. of all time. Like he's nuts. Just the the things he does with his feet, I can't. I can't yeah. even like wrap my yeah. head around what he's like, actually doing. He's just like yeah. bouncing around on his feet <laughs> for like fifteen straight minutes. Like, yeah, yeah. It's. I think this is something. If you definitely, if you haven't seen a lot of movie musicals, I mean, obviously there's Singing in the Rain, which she talked about. I think in American in Paris is definitely one of the first ones you you have to see to really appreciate. Yeah, it's definitely like the, the talent and skill. It's like that goes into br- it. the most influential. Like people for years, like tried to replicate like what that movie did and like especially mm-hmm. just with and the way it ended and like how the finale just went on and on and had so many different sets that built and built and the effort and the colors and everything like uh like new york new york tried to do that a lot martin mm-hmm. scorsese's new york new york um la la land for sure tries to do that with that um yeah. with their like what it could have been sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the visuals in La La Land definitely you can see um it took influence from this. And just I mean La La Land is obviously influenced by a ton of um older movie musicals. Um and then like you said about the last dance number too, there's no words in the last twenty minutes of the film. Yeah. Well along with a seventeen minute dance sequence straight. Mm-hmm. Which in doing more research on um, an American in Paris, uh, it's um, it's a very common um, uh, stage musical now too, and one and it's been dubbed one of the hardest parts, um, as you know, Gene, Gene Kelly and Leslie Coran's part are two of the hardest um, roles in all of stage musicals because of that. 17 minute sequence oh because you have to um, uh you have to replicate it's just that 17 yeah. Minutes straight. yeah yeah seriously the amount I of like think about that the amount of skill like just effort and like precision to pull like that whole sequence off like the amount of work that they put i wonder it probably i don't know probably i there's probably a number you can look up online but it, i feel like it would have to take a month to shoot that oh if you have especially yeah. with the best dancers in the world and the best choreographers and all these the yeah. best crew yeah right and just the fact that not only um can gene kelly you know can he pull off all of these you know dance numbers um like he can but he's also just a very charismatic yeah uh, and uh, actor so it's not like you know he's just some uh, it's not just some dance movie where there's no, the acting is really poor, but the dance numbers are incredible. It's really, you know, the acting and uh, the dancing and the music, the singing, everything um, all together. Yeah. It's, he's definitely uh, one of those guys classic. of classic Hollywood where you just like, where he's just like mine. It's just like mind blowing talent before your eyes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like guys like him and then, Freda Freda Steer and like um, yeah Charlie Chaplin Buster Keaton like where you're just like man like they carried this movie right now <laughs> oh yeah you literally you just need one person like that to uh, to star in your movie and that's yeah and what they do with it is pretty incredible I also read that Vincent Minnelli was going through his 
divorce with Judy Garland around the same time, so that Gene Kelly mm. actually directed a lot of it. Um, yeah, he, on his um, own too. he he wrote a lot of the choreography for. I think he did mm. did that through a lot of his movies. He would, uh, yeah. yeah, develop the dance numbers. Yeah, definitely one of a kind. I think that's a good segue into uh, the recasting it than uh, than Luke, <laughs> which is which is hard because yeah, I can't even think of a modern day if there's a modern day Gene Kelly. No, there's um, not. I don't. Know, think was... There really hasn't been a Gene Kelly since Gene Kelly there because yeah, yeah, definitely one of a kind and. Uh, um, so I don't know. I, I feel I feel fine about but my well, we uh, can my try. For recasting, but we can at but, least yeah. at least get points for trying, John. <laughs> yeah, we can at least have fun and try and pick, um, try and pick <laughs> yeah. recasting. So I don't know what you did. I only picked, I only recast Gene Kelly and um, and then Lisa. Um, yeah, um, yeah, Leslie, 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 uh, Karen. Yeah, I only uh, I only recasted those two. I'm not sure. Okay, um, what you did? I did the same. Okay, perfect. Then, uh, do you wanna do you wanna say your picks first? Uh, okay. well, let's start with Lisa first, and then we'll go to uh, okay. I yeah. decided to go with Lady Gaga. Wow, <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yep, she's gonna Not capitalize bad. off her recent A Star Is Born success, continue into you know Hollywood stardom, and she's gonna bring back the American in Paris reboot as Lisa and musicals will be back in Hollywood and it'll be just like the good old days with Lady Gaga as Lisa. <laughs> hey, I like that actually. Hey, who knows? Maybe a star is born is leading us to more, um, more like modern day movie musicals. So, uh, yeah, we could base everything <laughs> to a star is born. We owe that. We owe everything yes. to it. <laughs> Wow, I like that pick actually. That's good. Um, I should have thought more about um, actual like singers and uh, and everything. Like oh, that that's, too. that's I just went straight I went with, with actors. That's what I went with first. That's, that was a smart move. That's well, why yeah, I had such a hard time. You're, yeah, you're, I, let's see. I don't know. Your actors <laughs> could fool. be very. They could be questionable. <laughs> yeah. So I, I originally um, I read that Gene Kelly wanted uh, you know an actual French girl to play the role um so it'd be more accurate so i first started doing that and all i could think of was the girl who plays um amelie and uh she's in like any movie about a french girl like she's the one and i can't even think of her name right now but i didn't go with her i ended up going with uh carrie mulligan and mainly because of the fact of of course she sings in uh inside lewin davis so she's shown that she can sing and everything. Yeah. I'm not sure how her dancing ability is, but then she, I felt like she just kind of looked like um, <laughs> Leslie Karen. So I just went with that. So yeah, I was I like, mean, yeah, she kind of definitely like has her. a great voice inside Lou and Davis. She, I, that's she would just mm-hmm. have to, uh, and she's she was in Pride and Prejudice, so she definitely knows how to pull off that romance stuff. She's just she, we would need to yeah. see her in the the movement the the movement aspect, yeah. you know. She's gonna have to prove that she can dance. Yeah, that's the thing. And yeah. in Lou and Davis, she's pretty. Uh, she's pretty like still. <laughs> the music in Inside Lou and Davis is vastly different from uh, an American <laughs> yeah, Paris. That's for sure. Is, yeah, <laughs> slightly. But uh, but yeah, that was that was my pick. Yeah, and, no, uh, that's again, not bad. Again, mainly because of the looks. But uh, 
but yeah, that, let's get into. Uh, let's, I'm interested to see who you picked uh, as Gene Kelly's character. All right, for Gene Kelly, I picked superstar do, do, do. superstar Donald Glover, childish Gambino. <laughs> no, I I swear to God, I almost picked him too. And then I remember I thought I picked him for something else we recasted, like the clock or something. So I I didn't go with him. But yeah, wow, I like that. Yeah, I I just went with my first initial instinct and I did it. He's he is uh, talented enough to learn dance numbers <laughs> at least. I don't know mm-hmm. if he, how good of a dancer he actually is, but like he definitely probably has experience. He's basically a pop star. He can dance. Yeah, and so yeah. he he and he definitely has the uh, ambition to at like and work ethic to learn the dance numbers and he's mm-hmm. just yeah he's got a great voice he's likable he's talented i think he'll he'd be great as the gene kelly role yeah yeah i could see that i mean he's definitely one that he can act sing dance yeah do it all and i think if they made a modern day in american in paris um i don't know some of the music would probably be, could probably be updated too and yeah I think they could add, having a, a hand add in that would be cool like uh a jazzier funky funk tone which is what he does in his music yeah so he could like also produce the music and stuff yeah and lady gaga could write her numbers and everything oh and, yeah yeah and, i could actually I, I could dig that uh like a more a modern american in paris but um sort of yeah i don't know funking it up a bit jazzing it up yeah, yeah. definitely yeah I which, like that. Which is what La La Land again tried to do, except mine would be very mm-hmm. way better because their actual musicians are in the roles. Yeah, and I know a lot of people had a problem with um, Ryan Gosling being this like jazz pianist or whatever, just because. Yeah, just because he's white. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a lot of like the iconic ones. They're these really cool black guys that yeah they just honestly they just did it better so uh and that's i feel like it's a it's a big part of an Amer- of american culture is african-americans and mm-hmm. um oh yeah and definitely. jazz and blues music yeah, just so, originating jazz um, and blues and leading to but rock and roll is more it's that that music's more lost than rock and roll everyone just remembers rock and roll yeah. man and all the the white rock and rollers rock and roll. yeah uh-huh <laughs> Well, all right. I like that pick. So I will. Pick... I'll stick it to them with my Donald Glover star in, yeah. in the American Paris reboot <laughs> <laughs> on the <Take> podcast. <laughs> um, and who is your right. Gene Kelly? My pick is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know why, but when I picked Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I was just thinking, like, this is kind of funny for some reason. Like, this isn't really serious, but I like, I would, I would like to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt do this. But I don't know. I feel, he's a he's a know. charismatic guy. He I is. like he's him. He's very likable. I don't know if he could sing. I feel like I feel like he's done musical things outside of acting. Um, I don't know for sure. I I should have looked this up before, but I. Feel like I've seen him actually like perform, um, I know, playing s- guitar and singing. I could see that. I mean, he's a pretty multi-talented guy. It's just yeah, he, he doesn't like. I don't think he. Oh, he did do a soundtrack. Let's see what he did. He did a bunch of soundtrack stuff. 
So yeah, I guess. Oh yeah, I'm looking at all these um yeah. all these pictures of him playing guitar and singing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. He yeah, did a, a ukulele right. song with Zoe de Chanel. <laughs> oh, that, oh yeah, it was that in um in uh, oh, five, they were in um, 500 Days of movie? Summer. 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, they were in that together. Oh, nice. Oh, and he plays drums too. Oh, dang. Yeah, uh, wow. Oh, what a great pick. <laughs> I, wow, what a great pick I made. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's just he kind of has like a, a classic movie look to him too. Maybe it's just because he was like a child star. And yeah. Then, uh, you know, he's no, he's that's uh, up and, no, you, you, you pulled yeah. it off, John. You pulled it off. There we go. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was uh, that's a tough one because, like we said, I mean, Gene Kelly is hard to uh, to replicate in modern day. But uh, yeah, I think if they made an American in Paris for modern day and they changed up the music a bit, went a little more modern, then that would be cool for sure. Yeah, yeah, I've heard uh, Chirac by Spike Lee is a good musical, actually. Wow, I did actually not know that was a musical. I haven't seen that yet. Um, yeah, me neither. Yeah. It was hmm. a really poorly reviewed movie, I think, by critics. But I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah I've heard that was polarizing just because of the uh, the subject matter and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So well, if those we ever want to do a modern for, uh, musical... Yeah, which we definitely need more of. So we can cover some uh, some modern musicals coming up too. Um, and I think that's a good. That's also a good segue into uh, the next film, which we did. Um, you don't see too many, um, you know, just truly great modern musicals, and I feel like you don't see too many truly great modern westerns. So yeah, uh, you see westerns, but you don't see like. Mm-hmm. It's similar. It's They're similar. Really iconic it's anymore. similar to in musicals and to how they just don't do them the same way. They're more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you a lot of them feel more as they're paying homage to old westerns. Yeah, exactly. Such as yeah. Quentin Tarantino to Sergio mm-hmm. Leone, constant like in Django yeah. Unchained. A lot. <laughs> yeah, very similar. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take another quick break, but then we'll be right back with a fistful of dollars. All right. Talking about a fistful of dollars, which yes. I watched yesterday afternoon uh, in my Leone journey. Um, yes, I have seen now the good, the bad, and the ugly. And last time I watched Once Upon a Time in the West, and so now I've seen a fistful of dollars. Now, 
in this so-called Leone trilogy, John, it -hmm. goes fistful of dollars, few dollars more than the good, the bad, and the ugly is the end. Is that correct? It's supposed to be. Okay. Yep. So I watched the first one. Um, A good thing to know though, is that they're all kind of, they're all different stories. Mm-hmm. I think Lee Van Cleef is in. They're not connected. Two of them, they're, like, then, they're like they're yeah. like an anthology, and they're known as the trilogy because Clint Eastwood plays the silent man and all of yep. them, right? Yeah, the man with no name. Yep. Yeah, the man with no name. Yeah, because I was looking at uh, the the like the cast of a few dollars more, which is the next one, mm-hmm. just to see what his name was in it. Because in this one, it's Joe. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. in this one it's joe he's an american man named joe joe <laughs> um but yeah uh i it was a very nice afternoon yesterday i don't watch westerns often so this just getting into this one um especially leone's are um there's something different for me always especially mm-hmm. and i'm not as i'm not as well versed on westerns as i am on other uh genres of cinema and so uh being able to watch being able to watch one made me just you know at first of course just want to watch more westerns uh which is what usually happens mm-hmm. um but yeah like the you definitely see like from the beginning like what separates leone's westerns like such as like the opening title sequence of animation like something like that where love it yeah it's it's kind of like more of a comic book, you know, like, yeah. and, um, how just Leone's just movies are just more about his, like, they're just, they're just more about his style that on what he, on how he's, um, in, on how he, uh, does the Western. It's just about his, his flash, his flair, his, the, just the stylistic choices he makes. And, um, mm-hmm. while when you watch a lot of older Westerns, they're trying to do like, make uh they're not as like flashy or fun they're more just trying to be like political or or may t- have a take on america or something like that um right. and then and then leone's always got that like just that score that that great score every time this every one was time, the yeah. most it was the most conservative leone score though i've um out of the ones i've watched so far like it mm-hmm. wasn't as in your face as the good, the bad, and the ugly, for instance. Like it, yeah. it, it seemed to function a little more in the background of the story. Definitely, um, yeah, yeah. Got a great like theme. Uh, you know, there's just I, I do kind of miss that. I feel like it's not as it's not used as much in movies anymore. Where there's a real like theme to the um, to the characters and to the scenes. Uh, right. so, uh, like an easily accessible one for people to know is like Star Wars. Like when you see Darth <laughs> Vader, there's always yeah. the same thing. When you see Princess Leia, there's like Leia's theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so like for this, yeah, just hearing like the, the I can't even do it, but the... Do-do-do-do-do. Oh, yeah. This, like see, that this sort of thing. This yeah. one's so much more subtle when the yep. other ones you can literally hum in, in the shower and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's definitely a, the scores are always a huge part of uh, of the Leone westerns for sure. Yeah, but um, I also really just enjoyed like um, I, I enjoyed Clint Eastwood a lot in this. Just like he, I felt like um, 
it being a smaller film than the other ones I've what than the good, the bad, the ugly, for instance, like you, you get more screen time with him and, and more of a, like a, uh, an actual character, um, portrait, let's say mm-hmm. as he, as he, um, kind of like takes this town under his wing and manipulates these two families. Um, you just, you get to see a lot of like, you know, like, classic like american like wit and like um and uh uh, just a lot of cleverness and just kind of like just the fact that he's like silent and silent and like kind of humble and has that like stare Mm -hmm. always but yet he's like you know he's confident like nobody's gonna fuck with that guy as he's walking around the town you know he can shoot 10 guys at one time, like mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have ten guys and he's standing there, you should be kind of scared. Um, yeah, and and, and I just uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I especially enjoyed the we talked about the finale in American in Paris. Um, the mm-hmm. finale in this one is not too shabby either. Um, I love it. Yeah, yeah, like you know, I'm I was kind of like for the last thirty minutes, you know, you're I was just kind of on the edge of my seat, you Mm -hmm. know, that whole movie goers cliche, um, from when he gets captured and he's getting beaten up by, um, Ramon and all those guys. And, uh, to where, yeah. And and just seeing him, uh, just battered and bruised like that. Uh, it Mm -hmm. really reminds you, it, it really kind of, you know, where he's crawling around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me that kind of like foreshadows a lot of American movies that will be coming out in the next uh, 50 years um, on how this was an influence. Like mm-hmm. you just see a you see like a beat up American guy willing his way against um, the villain and just mainly using wit and um, uh, just intelligence and uh, drive to get it done. Like you just see that like. You like just his face looks like Rocky's face or it really his face looks like uh, Arnold's face in Terminator 2 a lot. And if you notice in Terminator 2, there's that last sequence where he's just crawling around to go save John Connor. And I'm pretty sure Cameron ripped that um, from a fistful of dollars. And that scene in Terminator 2 is one of my favorites ever. So seeing that in this was a real treat. Yeah, it's definitely. I didn't think about that until you said it, but I, yeah. um, that's definitely like, something that's probably like been borrowed. Die since. hard, die hard, all that stuff. Die hard, it's yeah. like it's definitely just a a big influence from like something like this. Just seeing a mm-hmm. uh, just an American hero beaten up and willing his way against uh, Ramon. Yeah, like, it's something these uh, all of these Leone spaghetti westerns have is this big you know duel at the end this right. huge big ending and yeah they're each one i feel like gets more iconic oh, and this, more like grandiose yeah, as they go is, on this one there was um yeah quite a treat like as he mm-hmm. was running up with the, with the bulletproof vest and yes like what I the heck that. yeah like it's so really aim for I, the heart that's mm-hmm. actually a scene i've seen a lot on back to the future too <laughs> <laughs> um when yeah. Biff is watching it in the hot tub with his with his uh with his bitches <laughs> and he's like he's like 
bulletproof vest, you know? <laughs> you know that you know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, I forgot I, about I've that, seen that too. I've seen that like scene a ton in Back to the Future 2, and I never knew which Clint Eastwood Western it was from. And so then when yeah. I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is it. He's going to pull out the bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's a thing too with these is that it's really hard for me to distinguish like what scenes are from which of the three movies. Um, because there, I mean, I, I do, like I said, I do feel like each one gets like, gets um, just bigger and better as you, and more iconic as you go on. You know, I think for a few dollars more is even more iconic than fistful of dollars. And then of course, good, the bad and the ugly is um, everyone uh, knows that to be an uh, epic iconic movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they all sort of blend together for me a little bit because, you know, it's all Clint Eastwood and there are all these similar elements in each one. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things that like you've seen, uh, you've seen clips from all of these somewhere, whether it's in other movies or other forms of media. Um, but then, yeah, actually seeing yeah. them along with the, like the full 80s, story and everything. Is... 70s, 80s action are all like, I feel like mm-hmm. Leone's played such an influence in all of them. Yeah. And just Westerns in general. And this was really like the first um, spaghetti Western that was really like people, sometimes people call it the first spaghetti Western. It technically wasn't the first, but it was the first one that got like high acclaim and was um, really well received. Um, Something that I, when I first saw like these movies back, I don't know, middle school or high school, uh, it took me a while to get used to the, the dubbing yeah yeah which the voices so weird you could they're very obviously dubbed Mm -hmm. and it's also it's weird there's a feel to it that you have that you have to adjust to right when you get into Mm -hmm. them for sure yeah and they're all filmed in uh you know spain mostly um you know southern spain but then there's spaghetti westerns and they're produced by Italy, Spain, and Germany. It's just, yeah, it's pretty interesting to look back in like film history and see all these Western movies set in the Old West in uh, America and Mexico. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and the, and they're all filmed somewhere completely different, made by um, you know all these Italians and uh, mm-hmm. and Europeans. So yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely it's one of those that. Uh, all of these movies are like just really great, um, really like well-made popcorn movies for me. Mm. Like I th- they're always, they're fun to watch. They're just yeah. um, great like action movies from back in the day. Yeah. And it's, they, it's hard to replicate just, nowadays. They kind of exude, they just exude cool. <laughs> yes, exactly. That cool, yeah. that cool Red Dead Redemption feeling that you want. Yeah. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood is so, yeah, he's just so cool in all of these too that you see why he became such. These were like his first starring roles in these movies, and that like, it's clear why he became a huge star after that too. Yeah, and then of yeah, course can... we talked about the the score and everything, which yeah, um, and Ennio Morricone he always um, has incredible I'll have, scores. I'll have, going to on lis- I'll have to listen to it more. Yeah, I don't listen to his scores enough actually. Like mm-hmm. whenever I rediscover. Inyo Mor- Morricone again. I always like go like, damn, I've I forgot about this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean the the good, the bad, and the ugly score. So that entire soundtrack is, um, yeah, is pretty incredible. 
And honestly, if we if we were to rank like our top ten favorite scores, um, you know, all four of the uh, Morricone and Leone um, score, I think they've only done four together, but all four of those would definitely be uh, in my top ten personally. So sounds like a all four. <laughs> Yeah, you know uh, the uh, the dollars, man of no name trilogy, and so then you have four, once upon a time four in the West. Leonis, and then room for six yes. more. <laughs> yes, I, wow. honestly, that, those are nice. just yeah. And of course, so, that's just personal. I, that that doesn't mean they're like all a, the best ones, but that sounds yeah. like a good podcast for the future. A top ten scores one, yeah. like yeah, like when you just we'll definitely sit, do that one. That sounds fun. Because something that all the a lot of the movies that we've talked about already, and especially these two, is um, the music. I feel like it's a big reason why we like mm-hmm. both of these movies. You know, is um, of course the music in An American in Paris, and then um, the music in Fistful of Dollars, and we talked about Once Upon a Time in the West before too. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely t- top soundtracks will be uh, something uh, in the future that we'll we'll talk about. But anyway, should we get into uh, to recasting now? Okay. And again, I'm not sure what you did. I only uh, recasted uh, Clint Eastwood. He's, I did Ramon. I, mean, I did Ramon. You too. did? Yeah. Okay. I'll That's come up with something on the fly then. Okay. But uh, yeah, you go first. Who <laughs> just, did you, just who so do you everyone have as knows, Ramon? John's pick will be <laughs> his, his I'm going to improvise. The, the idea will pop into his mind while I'm talking. <laughs> Yes. Um, so for Ramon, I decided to go with John Leguizamo. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like it. He's a nice. a great actor and also a, I feel like he can play a, a villainous uh, scumbag role and shoot up a bunch of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, and he's also got that goofy side to him as well, which Ramon, yeah, he's Ramon, comedian too, Ramon's yeah. got that laugh like throughout and you get and you, there's a lot of times where you're having fun with ramon in this movie for sure so mm-hmm. yeah john lugazamo as ramon <laughs> nice okay i just thought of mine now and it's probably just um because he's he's hispanic and he plays villains very well but javier bardem oh okay nice that's right i, I was thinking about i was, thinking about was doing... definitely more of a fun one but javier bardem is definitely more dark I was going to do Benicio Del Toro, but I picked him for the villain oh. in Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes. And Javier, That's another Javier, good one. Uh, Javier Bardem's like a similar one for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, a current uh, Western villain of the twenty of the 2000s. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. yeah. I like Del Toro too. It's a good one on the fly. Nice. All right. And then who do you got for Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I decided to go with uh, Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I like it. Yeah, because um, he's already in uh, movies today. The kind of the silent hero in mm-hmm. stuff such as Drive or Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I wouldn't True, say yeah. go far say he's the hero in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but by the end, by the end, he's kind of playing a hero role a yeah. hero role a, he's lear- he's our he's the guy who learns something in Blade Runner 2049 and he's just in all these movies where he doesn't say a lot and he kind of says That's a good something point, yeah. very steady and he's very just he just goes well with like walking and not saying anything 
as the camera, you know, just the camera films him, uh, which is something that Clint Eastwood does a lot in this. Yeah, that's a good yeah. thought. I didn't think about that too. And I mean, even in uh, in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, just like Drive, yeah, he's this very quiet, cool guy. Like he's just yeah. cool, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that definitely that is a a big part of why the movies are so iconic is just because of how cool Clint Eastwood looks and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Drive oh, like definitely a takes pick. a like like a western um, influence as well, just on its uh just the way it's constructed and its plot and everything and all the different conf- conflicts around Los Angeles he has I mean he mm-hmm. I mean, he's wearing he's wearing like a like that jacket and stuff he's totally supposed to be like a western hero in that yeah definitely yeah nice i like it all right well i went i guess my picks were more serious and something that's so great about the leone films is that they are a little bit goofy too um but, <laughs> mine was uh, pretty goofy <laughs> yeah which i i like that better but uh i went with ben foster um, oh okay yeah he's a very serious one, actor <laughs> yeah he's very serious but i also thought he's also one of those that's pretty quiet and he does he's not one that always has a ton of talking lines oh talking yeah lines, what, what, lines. <laughs> but uh <laughs> No, sometimes talk they too, have talk too good. Sometimes they have talking lines, John. <laughs> sometimes they have facial lines that they, you know, they just make facial expressions. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I've, and he's uh, he's someone who I feel like, I mean, he was already great in um, the the remake of Three Ten to Yuma, so I can already picture him in this western um, role. And uh, yeah, I felt like he would. Um, he's also been more of a, I feel like more of a villain than not. But to be sort of, um, even Clint Eastwood in this, he's um, he's not like he's obviously the hero of the movie, but he's also he's not like this uh, like the the humble white hat sheriff and this you know saving this little town either. You know he's putting these two like families against each other. So right. I thought, um, yeah, I thought he could play a hero while also being more of like a um, bit of a bad boy too. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an I think I need to see Ben Foster and leave no trace because I've only seen him in Hell mm-hmm. or High Water and in there he's like yeah. not oh, yeah. a hero at all so it's very hard no, right now awful, for me yeah. to picture Ben Foster in this role but I think if I had seen him in and in more movies which I haven't then I would be able to that's probably where you yeah. got the idea from is a movie Definitely, like Leave yeah. No Trace yeah cuz I've only seen Hell or High Water and he's like the like scumbag guy in it like he's yeah. he, he's, um, he's basically ramon in hell or high water i guess you could say so yeah and in uh in 310 to yuma he's also in a similar like villain role like mm, it's oh, really, really easy to hate him in that role <laughs> um shows what a good so, yeah. actor the man is yeah but definitely in something like leave no trace you definitely have empathy um oh yeah for what his character only. goes through yeah. so um yeah, definitely more more serious picks, uh, I guess. Oh yeah, but, your uh, sounds your sounds heavy, John. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm going for. You know, enough of the silliness. He was also in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in Hostiles, a movie I saw. Oh, which was a not a, that. not a it was not a good movie. It was one of my uh, worst of 2018. Oh and wow, I forget Christian Bale's he, in that, right? It's hard to tell who is the 
hero in this movie because it's very dark and bleak, but I'm sure yes, Ben Foster is. does some very um, rough things in this to people that I forgot about because it is a very forgettable yeah. movie. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I did see Hostels, and I I remember thinking it was fine, but uh, but you're right. I I honestly don't really remember what happened. So, um, and I think in contra- oh yeah, and Rosamund Pike in yeah, contra- okay. contraband, he's another uh, he's another bad dude. But then in Lone Survivor, I think he's a good dude because everyone's a good oh, dude yeah. in Lone Survivor. Hmm. Oh yeah, Hostels had a great cast. Yeah, too. I, I saw it at, at the ArcLight in LA because I was just kind of like I wanted to see anything there, and I I was mm-hmm. just obsessed with the ArcLight there. And I went, and it was just like so forgettable and just rough, a rough yeah. watch, a really rough two hours. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes westerns talk... can be it's a little too dull and forgettable like that. There, you know, there's I, not really yeah. a whole lot that really makes you care about the story and and uh stick along for the slow burn for sure yeah i would have talked about it on the worst of 2018 episode but it w- that's really all i have to say about it is that it was <laughs> i didn't like it it was dull and boring <laughs> so well there we go <laughs> yeah i got it out all there right. so there well, we those go are our picks we did it for fist for fistful of dollars now uh before we wrap things up here i know um, coming up, exciting things are the new Criterion streaming service. And I know, Luke, you're very passionate about it. And yeah. we definitely want to make sure, along with going to the theater, something you should do as a movie fan this year is to check out the uh, Criterion uh, streaming service. Yeah, absolutely. It, right, does it have right a specific now. name? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's called Charter, but you can go Charter. is what they call it. But mainly just CriterionChannel.com is what you would go to. And now they have their movie of the week. Um, they have this movie of the week thing going for subscribers uh, until the channel launches on April 8th. And um, so what have, let me pull up real quick what I have watched off there so far. I know they've had Stalker on there, the Andre Tarkovsky movie. Um, last week I watched To Sleep With Anger. Um, which was a good film, a really good film with Danny Glover and directed by Charles Burnett. Kind of reminded me. That one I'm mad I missed. I'm kind of, that one reminded me a little bit of Beale Street. If Beale Street could talk by Barry Jenkins, because it's about a lot about like uh, family in, in Mm -hmm. a, in the black community rather than other stuff. Like, but it's more about just keeping a family together. Yeah. Really enjoyable. Um, nice. And then, uh, did I watch? What else did I watch off of here? I watched um, Mikey and Nikki with uh, John Cassavetes and Peter Falk, which was also really good. Yeah. And this week for they have uh, Wanda, which is supposed to be it's uh, which is uh, written directed by Barbara Loden. It's supposed to be a really great movie and kind of a hallmark in like female filmmaking. Nice. A lot of these, I feel like, aren't ones that um, are super like accessible that you'd see everywhere. They're streaming everywhere, so I think that's cool too. Is yeah, um, it's kind of it's a, a big it's draw. Like a, is, one of the reasons why I like is it, it keeps you motivated to like learn and educate yourself and just expand your horizons. So 
mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I just like can't wait for the new channel to come out. Yeah, it's a, it's because you think that you've seen you've seen everything, and there's um, you know no matter how many movies you've seen, there's always going to be some that you uh, have missed or have fallen through the cracks or are highly regarded in film history, but. Uh, you know, you maybe don't know too much about. Yeah, and especially um, if you're so a fan it, yeah. of uh, classic Hollywood, they will have more of those guy, more of those films available than probably anyone, <laughs> except for mm-hmm. like, of course, the Criterion Collection in New York. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they will have so many on there, just collections that uh, that will take. <laughs> I'll be like obsessed with browsing when it comes out. Yeah, and also if you sign up now, you'll get like like Luke's talked about the movie of the week uh, and everything each week, and then you'll also get uh, the full subscription at a discounted rate, like for life. I think once it starts. Um, so obviously, if you're interested in trying it out, it's better to start now than um, than later. And then if you, I mean, you'll obviously enjoy it. And then once enough people subscribe and everything, it'll be able to you know, have life rather than die off. Like, like yeah, Filmstruck did. rather. Yeah. That's, I just want some, mostly it'd be nice to have just some security for it. Like it's like mm-hmm. thinking like any day it's like when it comes out, it could be like any month they're like, ah, no, we can't afford it anymore or something like that. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. would suck. Yeah, exactly. That's why yeah, the best thing to do is really, if you're interested, support it. And I think uh, it'll be worth it. You'll definitely learn a lot more. Which is what I'm excited to to do because I there's definitely so much yeah. that um, I really want to see and they're not super easy to find everywhere. Yeah, um, and I know this is something that'll um, that'll help that. Yeah, and going going forward, I think we'll probably just like we'll wrap up this mini series and the Criterion Channel will be right around the corner, so we'll have access to. I don't know, some good, maybe some good ideas for future mini series and episodes and just, I don't like, just maybe because they had the, what film did is they organized it into a lot of collections that like mm-hmm. on how to browse, like, and just like we could base, we could base episodes off of a certain collection, you know, yeah. and just watch the same movies. Go down yeah, that, we'll definitely... go down the journey. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll, I mean, we'll cover a lot of classic movies since I obviously that's what the podcast is based off of and we'll keep doing that. We'll do some of these more series and then Criterion will be big too mm-hmm. um, to try and recommend some more movies, um, you know, for anyone who's uh, a movie fan or someone who's just really interested in film history and everything. Absolutely. I think, uh, definitely, be, it'll be a learning journey for us and uh, and for you too. So we'll help, we'll lead you along that journey that journey come take so your journey prepare yourselves <laughs> yes fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> oh we sound like a, a cult now or something yeah a little yeah. bit a little bit <laughs> yeah don't worry though don't it's worry all, we won't take you to some right. island and feed you some kool-aid yeah we'll just feed you some some movie knowledge <laughs> all right um yeah so, so next in our series i guess will be uh for a few dollars more for me yeah and then I'll I think, wrap up uh, my, I think the next my one, Leone journey, I guess. And then on my Manelli journey, it's uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, I believe, right? Mm, yeah, enjoy enjoy that, John. Another very <laughs> yes. like all Manellis, they're very enjoyable. And yes, just del- I don't think just I'll delightful. Have to, 
I don't think I'll have to mentally prepare myself for <laughs> no, uh, not for a, that, not at sure. all. Yeah, like so yeah, looking forward Ju- to seeing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, have fun, uh, have fun with with Judy Garland. Oh yes, and I of believe course. she's <laughs> like nineteen or something like that, like that young. Crazy. Yeah. Another another one who's uh, hard to find a uh, a duplicate of Judy Garland in modern day. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, we'll be back um, soon to finish up our Italian directors series, Nelly Leone, and then we'll be back with uh, with more Criterion and classic movies uh, after that. So go to the theater and subscribe to Charter. That's your homework. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Take care, everyone.